I have a, a few minutes before it's time for you to go eat your food. <laughs> and um, I want to remind you that the fourfold challenge, what is the fourfold challenge? Number one, each one. Now, if you wasn't here a few weeks ago, I did a fourfold challenge for the rest of the year. All right. And everybody shout with me the first one. Each one. Come on, you can do better than that. So what does that mean? I'm asking everyone to reach one person this year for Jesus, whether they're unchurched, whether they've left the church, whether they're offended, whether they're unsaved, reach one person for Jesus. And we're going to have opportunities for you to bring him to church, bring him to church anytime. But we're going to have friend and family day the last Sunday of June. Everybody shout friend and family day. How many is going to bring someone to friends and family day? It's the last Sunday of this month. We're going to have food trucks outside. There'll be activities for kids. There's, and we're going to have t-shirts. And there's a t-shirt sign up in the foyer. We would like for everyone to wear a Christ Point t-shirt that day. So right after church, so go sign up for a t-shirt, all right? We're going to have food trucks, things for kids. We're asking you to bring somebody. We're providing an opportunity for you to bring somebody. There will be a simple message that morning for people to understand. So Friends and Family Day is the last Sunday of June. Everybody say, reach each one. And I'm asking you to do what? I want you to focus on getting one person, inviting them to church. They may give up. They may say they don't want to come. But you don't need to be passive. You need to find somebody else. Each one, reach one. Say, Pastor, I'm not really good at that. Everybody has a voice. And you can tell your story. You can tell what God's done for you. Right? And ask them to come to church. And then I'm asking you to invest into their life. Take them out to eat. Invite them to your house. Send them a message. Just don't invite somebody. Invest into their life. Invite, invest. Keep on them. Ask them. Pray over them. I'm asking for one person. If each of us would just do that, that would be a remarkable difference. Everybody shout, each one. And everybody say this. Create a follow me culture. So I'm asking you, instead of pastor showing everybody what to do, I'm asking you, would you do that? If there's new people in the foyer, you take them to the kids ministry, right? If somebody don't know where the connection card is, you do that. If somebody's new and they're in the parking lot, you greet them. Let's develop a culture where you say, I'm going to be a leader. Follow me. Next Sunday is Discover Christ Point. It'll be in the foyer. And if you're new to Christ Point, you can ask questions next week. I'll be in the foyer. There'll be all kinds of information, some snacks. I want you to discover Christ Point, whether you want to be here or part of this ministry. That's next week. All right. So. Follow me, culture. Number three, I want you to be intentional about your tithe and offering. I want you to pray about it. If you're not giving, I want you to pray about giving and being a good steward of God's money. And let's put God first. It's the principle of the first in Scripture. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I can do that. I'm asking you to start somewhere small. Let's start somewhere, all right? Amen. Number four, I'm asking you to be intentional about your Bible reading. Read the New Testament. If you do five chapters a week, you can read the whole New Testament. I know Dan is, is Teresa's boyfriend, and he attends church here. Of course, this is Memorial Day weekend. Lots of people are not here. So there's, he let me know last week. He said, Pastor, 
I just started coming to church and I want you to know I took your challenge and I've already read the whole New Testament. So I'm asking you to pick up this challenge and let's do it. Put it on your phone and listen to the Bible, all right? Can somebody say amen? And today is the last Sunday for Growth Point. That means classes and groups are over and we resume regular church on Sunday nights next week. So we start to have church next Sunday night. You're off tonight. No church tonight. Maybe your small group will have something. If not, you have it off. And next Sunday night, we have church. And Wednesday nights, we have church in here, all right? So our classes and groups are over. And did you enjoy your small groups and your classes? Amen. All of our classes and small groups are over. So next Sunday night, we resume Sunday night church. And Wednesdays, we resume. So Wednesday night, meet in the sanctuary this Wednesday, all right? And tonight, you have it off. You can enjoy it with your family. I want to say something before we go home. I want to just speak a few moments on, I wasn't even supposed to speak this morning. I actually had a guest speaker, but they canceled the other, just not too long ago. And, and so I'm like, well, I was, wasn't planning on preaching, but I was in prayer and I just kept feeling impressed to speak on this subject. I, I want to speak on discouragement just for a few moments. I know that we prayed for people, but I just want to speak on it for a moment. The other day, I uh, had a doctor's appointment. So I uh, had a doctor's appointment at 140. It was a wellness check, nothing wrong, just a wellness check. And so I uh, get in my car, and it was pouring the rain down. How many remembers the day that the weather was really bad? I mean, very, very bad. And it was even worse than I anticipated. So I get in the car, and I'm thinking I'm Superman. So I'm just driving down 20th, about 40 miles an hour. And as I'm driving, it was raining so hard, and the wind was blowing so hard, I didn't even notice that there was a sign that was blocking the road that says, do not enter high water. So I'm driving, guess what? I hit that sign, and it flew through the air. I'm thinking, I didn't even see this sign because it was raining, and the wind is blowing, but I just kept going. How many knows that when you hit things in life, you just got to keep going, you know? So I just kept going, you know? I just kept going. I said, well, so I, I'm going down 20th, and it got worse. And I'm thinking, wow, and there's another sign, high roads. I'm like, well, I can't turn around. There's nowhere to turn around. So I keep going because that's what you do in life. You just keep going, you know? So I'm keeping <laughs> going. And as I'm going, no joke, folks, the wind was so strong and the water was so strong on the road because it was like up to the bumper it tore my bumper off of my car. And the wind blew the bumper over my car, hit the windshield, and blew it in the air. Well, I just started laughing in the car. I'm like, are we serious? Is this really happening to me today? So I get to the doctor's office, and I pull in, you know, and they all know me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, did you, and I'm drenched, you know, because it's pouring rain down, and and the nurses was looking out the window, like, oh, my gosh, look at your car. Pastor, look at your car. Oh, my God. I said, you don't have to remind me. How did you do it? I was like, I, I, I'm just driving, and I guess I don't know if I was going too fast. I don't know what was going on. But anyway, so it, blew, it just blew it away. And I didn't have time to go search for it, you know. So I didn't know where my bumper was, you know. So I'm in the doctor's office. And as I'm in the doctor's office, the doctor's office started flooding. Water was coming everywhere. So they're trying to take my blood pressure, and water is just gushing everywhere. And I'm like, are we serious? 
Are we serious? The nurse is like, the nurse is like, now I am really sorry. I'm sorry, Pastor, that this is happening, but there ain't nothing I could do about it. And she's frantic and blah, blah. And I was like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Just refill my blood pressure pill, whatever you're doing, and, and I can leave. And so she's typing real fast, and water's gushing everywhere. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. So I'm like, do I need to get up on the chair? Do you want me to help you clean up the water? You know, and, and everybody's screaming in the doctor's office. Get, you know, we need to leave, we need to leave. And I'm like, I think I'm going crazy, you know. So right before I left, I'm, I said to her, I said, just make sure you didn't give me some medicine I don't need, you know, because, you know, you're so bumfuzzled here. So I leave, get in my car, I get back in, kind of settle down. I'm like, man, this is a crazy day. So I get in the car and I'm driving back down 20th. And I'm like, I need to find my bumper. I need to find my bumper. And I said, Holy Spirit, where's my bumper? I need to find my bumper. I called Tiffany. I was like, can you believe this? All she did was laugh. That's all she did. Then I told Sean, and all he did was laugh. So I'm going down the road, and I saw this big semi coming towards me. He stops, gets out of his car, and picks up my bumper. I pull over to the side of the road, get out of my car in the middle of 20th Street, run across the road, and I said, dude, that's my bumper. He said, he said, well, I didn't know who it was. I was just going to throw it away and put it in this big dump truck that I have. I said, no, 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 I need my bumper, my license plates. Give me my bumper. He said, okay, dude, here it is, dude. Here we go. He's like kind of cowboy, you know. Yeah, hey, dude, yeah. <laughs> so I take my bumper in the middle of 20th Street. I'm like, how am I going to get this bumper back to my house? So I'm on 20th Street trying to push my bumper in my back seat. So I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. And it begins to rain again and there's mud everywhere and people are going by the highway beeping their horn. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. I hope nobody drives by and says, hi, pastor. And if, if, if you ever see me do that, don't ever call me pastor. Okay? Don't, don't let people know I'm your pastor, right? It's kind of like 10 years ago, I went on a ski trip at my last church that I pastored. And I was going down the slope, and Sean was there and all of our friends. I literally fell into the tree going down the hill. Just bam, hit the tree. And I couldn't get up because I was 80 pounds heavier, so I just couldn't get up. I'm just laying there with all this, and all of them going down the slope, saying, hey, pastor! I let them know, please do not call me pastor when I'm in a situation like that. No. So anyway, I get my bumper, I come to the church, and my bumper is upstairs in the office area, because I didn't know where to put it. So I'm like, I am thankful. So time the day ended, I was just really stressed. And I want to say something that sometimes my point is, is that we all have bad days. But that doesn't mean you have a bad heart. We all have bad days. But that doesn't mean you have a bad heart. And sometimes, Brother Jimmy, we get confused with that. All of us, including me, have bad days. But that doesn't mean your heart is bad. It doesn't mean that you don't love the Lord. And it doesn't mean you're not growing spiritually. 
And it doesn't mean that God has left you. It could mean that that's what we call life. And as Christians, sometimes we super spiritualize everything and we seem to think that if we're discouraged or something goes wrong, then we must have done something in our life. Do you know what? That's a common theological issue. People have debated about it for years. Why does bad things happen to good people? And I've come to the conclusion that when I read Scripture, that's what we call life. Jesus says it rains on the just and on the unjust. That means bad things and bad days happens to the righteous and the unrighteous. It happens to good people and bad people. So I want to encourage you today that when bad things happen and when discouragement sets in, when things happen in your life that's unexpected, that blindsided you, and you're confused about what direction to take, don't take it personal. It's, it's not personal. God is not trying to judge you. God is not trying to make your life hard. It's what we call life. And things happen. But God always promised us that no matter where you find yourself in the maze of life, I'm always going to be there. I'm going to be your strength. I'm going to be your help. You see, for the world, when bad things happen, they don't know what to do. But as Christians, when bad things happen, when discouragement sets in, we have somebody to run to. You see, it's not about us doing something. It's about us going to someone. You see, the world will do something when they have a bad day. When the world has a bad day and they're discouraged, they will do something. They'll pop another pill. They'll shoot up. They'll have sex with this person and that person. They will indulge themselves in self-gratification because that's what the world does when they experience a bad day, when they experience discouragement, when they're disheartened, when things don't work out the right way. They will run to something. But as Christians, we don't run to something. We run to someone. Does that make sense? We run to someone. We run to someone. We don't run to something. We run to someone. I'm reminded of the scripture in Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah is a familiar passage of, of scripture. Nehemiah was this man in the Bible who was coming back after the exile. Now, some of you may not know what the exile is, but let me just say it like this. God's people in the Bible, God's holy people, that he delivered out of Egypt and gave them a piece of a land that they had to conquer, these people were always messed up. Can somebody say amen? And do you know what God's people did all the time? They would sin and then they would repent. Then they'd sin, and then they would repent. And God said, I'm a little bit tired of it. If you keep on doing it, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to have your enemy come in, and your enemy is going to destroy your land. And they're going to take you into captivity, and you're going to have to live somewhere else. And that's what happened. Babylon came in to Jerusalem, and Babylon destroyed the city of Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple. Now, the temple was the most precious thing to a Jew. It's where those religious activities happen. It's where God would come and dwell. God met with His people there. And because Israel would not repent and stay faithful to God, God judged them. 
He was patient with them. He was kind with them. He was compassionate. But after a while, God judged them. And how did He judge them? He sent the Babylonians in and destroyed their city, destroyed their temple. And the, the enemy took their women, took their children, and took them into exile, took them to Babylon. And that is why the Bible says in Psalm 137, do you remember reading Psalm 137? It speaks of the children of Israel. And the Bible says in Psalm 137, Babylon, uh, you know, it's kind of like they're asking a question. David says here that these people are by the rivers of Babylon. The children of God are by the rivers of Babylon. And the Bible says they remembered Zion. What is Zion? Zion is Israel, God's, God's location. That's their home. Zion is their home. But they're by the rivers of Babylon. Remember, Babylon is the enemy. They're living with the enemy now. They're in Babylon. They're remembering how it used to be. The Bible says in verse number two, the Bible says these people were so discouraged. And what did these people do? They hung their harps upon the willows. In other words, they stopped singing. They stopped worshiping. Because that's what happens when we get discouraged. You ever notice that? When people get discouraged, they stop going to church. They stop worshiping. They stand there like a six-foot icicle because they're discouraged. And that's, I understand that. This is what this people, these are what these people did. They stopped rejoicing. They hung their harps upon the willow tree. That's it. They're by the rivers of Babylon. The Bible says in verse number three, for there those who were carried, they carried us away to captive, ask us. Now the enemy said to the people of God, can you sing us a song? The songs that you used to sing when you were at home. I know you're in Babylon. I know we are your enemy and you're living with us because God has judged you. And the people of God was so discouraged. They were like, we can't sing anymore. And the enemy said, do you think you could sing one of those songs you used to sing when you lived in Zion? And the Bible says, verse number four, they said, how in the world can we sing? Because we live in a foreign land. And isn't that like us? When things don't go our way, we're like, I can't worship God. I can't give. I've got too many bills to pay. I, I can't do this. I, I can't come to church and be faithful. I work a job. I have kids. I, I, you know, I don't know if this thing works anymore. We become discouraged. We become burnt out. We become worn out. And then it affects our worship. It affects our view of God. And these people are like, we can't sing anymore because, listen, we can't worship you because we're not in a comfortable place. They're not home. Anybody can worship when you're at home. Anybody can worship when you feel comfortable. Anybody can do right and love and give and serve when you feel comfortable when you're at home. But true worship is really demonstrated in what you do in uncomfortable situations. What do you do in uncomfortable situations? True faith is really demonstrated in what you do in the face of adversity. True faith is demonstrated in what you do in the face of obstacles. True faith is demonstrated in what you do when you find yourself not knowing what to do. There's something about endurance and perseverance and steadfastness that marks us. We're different from the world because we persevere even through adversity. We persevere even through obstacles. And these people lost their song. 
Because sometimes when we're discouraged, we lose our song because we're not where we used to be. Have you ever thought about that? Boy, I could really, I could really do better if I was there. I could, I could really give God my best if I had a different job. I could really give God my best if I was in a different situation. Listen to me, my friends. You will never be in a perfect situation. You will never be in a perfect situation. Worship is not about a song service. Worship is about a lifestyle. And you've got to choose to worship God with your life even when you find yourself uncomfortable in adverse conditions. How can we sing even when we're in an adverse situation? How can we sing even though we find ourselves in a foreign land? You see, Nehemiah and Ezra. Actually, at one time it was one book, but later it was separated. Ezra and Nehemiah, these are the two people, get this, these two people decided because Persia released the people of God and let them go back to their homeland, released some of them. Nehemiah and Ezra, these two people, went back to where? Jerusalem, their homeland. And when they got there, of course, everything was destroyed. Because who destroyed it? The enemy. Babylon. So Ezra and Nehemiah goes back to their land and they look and the temple is burned down. Everything's demolished. Now, it's really interesting to me. Ezra is a priest. Nehemiah was like an administrator. And God sent two people. Now, he sent other people. But he sent two people, namely Nehemiah and Ezra, back to Jerusalem. Why those two people? Ezra is a priest. He deals with the spiritual aspect of the people, while Nehemiah deals with the business aspect of the people. And you see, if we're going to grow a church, it always takes those people. It takes people who are spiritual, who can revive the hearts of people, but it takes people who know to do business. I grew up in church where the preacher probably really didn't know how to do business. You know what I'm saying? You know, they thought they did, but they probably didn't really know how to do business. It takes both of them working together. And Nehemiah and, and Ezra working together. And listen, Ezra wasn't called to be the administrator. And the administrator wasn't called to be the spiritual leader. But both of them worked together. And that's with me and my pastor. I don't claim to know it all. I don't know a lot of things. But as a pastor, it's important that you put people around you who know what to do, who know those aspects, that can humble themselves and say, I don't know that. I, don't, I want you to come along with me on my team because teamwork always makes the dream work. So both of them go back to the temple. They go back to Jerusalem. And they both work together. But when they got back there, when they got back to build the temple, guess what? There was lots of opposition. Samballot, Tabahu, the uh, Amorites, all of those people were, were against them building the walls. Now, the very first thing they were going to do was build the walls of the city. All right, so Nehemiah and Ezra comes back to rebuild the walls of the city. Why do they need to rebuild the walls? Because they were already destroyed by the enemy. So the very first thing they need to do before they rebuild their houses, before they rebuild the temple, you need to put the wall around the city because they didn't have a police force and the walls protected the city. So ne Nehemiah and Ezra goes back and they have a heart to rebuild the walls of the city so that they could rebuild the temple, rebuild their homes and bring everybody back from exile. So when they got there, they had strong opposition towards the rebuilding of the temple. Can you imagine? The neighboring countries are looking and saying, ha, 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 
Babylon destroyed you 70 years ago and you think you're going to come up in here and rebuild this city? I remember what the enemy did to you. And that's what the enemy does to us. The enemy brings up our past. Some of us, we all have failures. Some of them bigger than others. We all have failed. But the enemy wants to come to you and say, listen, you don't have a right to rebuild your life. You don't have a right to rebuild it. He, the, the greatest thing the enemy can do is control you by his words. That's what the enemy... He has no power over you. He just manipulates you and controls you by his, your words. Remember what the prophet Isaiah said? Isaiah said, No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against us in judgment, it will be condemned. Because, because the greatest thing the enemy can do is to intimidate you by his speech. And so that's what happened in this story. Nehemiah and Ezra had a vision to rebuild the walls, but they face opposition because they're thinking, the enemy already destroyed you. What gives you the right to come back here and rebuild? And I want to say this to this church. This church has a long history of people praying over it. This church has a long history of people believing in it and sowing money into it and standing with it. And I want to let you know that God is not done with this church. We have a right to rebuild. Somebody should just praise the Lord. I said, we have a right to rebuild. We have a right to rebuild. We have a right to have a vision. And so they had a vision and they had a, they, they, and, and you know what? This is interesting. I'm almost done. Nehemiah and Ezra gets back and they want to be, rebuild the walls and they start rebuilding. But chapter four of Nehemiah, they're halfway through rebuilding the temple. I mean, excuse me, the walls. They're halfway through it. And that's when most of the opposition happens. And I read this. I read this. And this is what the Spirit said to me. Nehemiah chapter 4 is when the opposition started. And they were already rebuilding the walls. And the Lord says, that's where discouragement sets in. Discouragement don't set in at the start of something. Discouragement sets in at the halfway point. Y'all with me this morning? That's where discouragement sets in. Discouragement never sets in at the start of a project because you're excited. Boy, let's do this thing. Let, let's, let's build the walls. Discouragement always sets in in the halfway point. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, it was the halfway point. They already started rebuilding the walls and Samballot and Tobihu comes along and discourages the work. But they had, a, they had a mandate that they was going to build. They had a mandate that we're not going to sit around and bawl about it. We're going to build. We're not going to walk away from it. We're going to work. We're not going to be frustrated. We're going to fight. We're not going to give up on the halfway point. You see, the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 10, as they're rebuilding the walls, look at verse 10. Then Judah said, the strength of the labors is failing. And there's so much more rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. Get this. The number one thing, the number one thing that discourages us, the number one thing that discourages us, number one is fatigue. We get tired. Because look at verse number, look at verse number uh, 10. The Bible says in verse number 10, the strength of these labors, these people who are laboring, it, they're failing. Do you see, number one, the very first thing that will discourage us is when we become tired. And these people were tired according to verse number 10. Now look at verse number 10. The Bible says there was so much 
rubbish. Now, what was the rubbish? Remember? The city was burned down. The temple was burned down. So obviously there's stones, there's wood, there's ashes, there's a bunch of rubbish. And here are the people, Nehemiah and Ezra, gathering the people. Come on, let's rebuild the walls. And the people get excited. And they start rebuilding the walls. And then they get discouraged. You know why they get discouraged? Because they look around and say, my goodness, look at all this rubbish. We've been building this wall for so many days. And they're, look at all this rubbish. Well, we can't build the wall, Ezra, Nehemiah. We can't build this wall. Look at all the rubbish. Look at what the enemy did. Look at all the past ashes and dirt and stones and wood that's left over from what the enemy did to us. We cannot rebuild. And I want to let you know that anytime we put our heart to build something, there's going to be rubbish. Anytime we have perseverance to rebuild something, there's going to be rubbish. But I want to let you know that God has not called us to quit because you see rubbish. God has called us and anointed us and empowered us to stand up by the power of Almighty God and build in spite of the rubbish. These people were tired. And listen, you will get discouraged when you're tired. You know what you need to do if you're tired? You need to be like David and Patty Yates and you need to go on a cruise. Y'all, you're laughing, but let me say this. Our theology of rest is wrong. This is, this is our thought. Work, 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 vacation. Work, 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 vacation. Work, 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 vacation. Uh-uh. Nope. That's not Scripture. Scripture is work, 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 take a day off. Work, 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 take a day off. Work, 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 take it. God rested on the seventh day. It is a pattern for us to follow. You're not called to work seven days a week, Josh Pennington. Sean Taylor. Pastor Brandon, pastor, you're not called to work seven days a week. You say, well, I got to work because the devil, the de I can't let the devil outsmart me. Well, the devil is not your example. Jesus is your example. So if you're working all the time and you're not resting, it's something that I'm working through myself. It, it's not, it's not pure discipleship. It's not growing in the Lord. We have to rest. We have to give our bodies a rest. We have to give our minds a rest. Jesus even rested. He would separate himself from the disciples and go to the mountain and pray in solitude and rest. Ladies and gentlemen, you will get discouraged if you feel tired. Things are always magnified when you are tired. And these people, verse number 10, they said, the labors are tired. They're failing because there's so much rubbish. There's people that will live out. There's people that will wear out. And there's people that will burn out. And you've got to make a decision what you're going to do. You can live it out, you can wear out, or you can burn out. And listen, people burn, in order to burn out, burnout is this. It is working too hard at something that you can't do. That's what burnout is. And we become burnt out in ministry because we're trying to do something that only God can do. And God's not called us to burn out. God's called us to live it out. And these people were tired. They were frustrated. 
They, did, they, they were frustrated with the, with the rubbish. But God said, I want you to build in spite of the rubbish. I'm going to close my sermon today. And I'm going to finish it next Sunday. Would you come back next Sunday morning?